Welcome to the Quality of Love podcast. I am your host, Tyrone Dixon, nationally certified life and relationship coach, husband, father to two beautiful princesses, and CEO and founder of A Rose Through Concrete Consulting. Thank you, everyone, for taking the time out to listen in with us tonight. We really appreciate it. We back in action. We back in motion, everybody. Thank you to everyone that's listened, subscribed, downloaded, um, giving me feedback. If you've not checked it out yet, please check the episode out with the the author, Sean Herndon. Uh, wrote a great book, amazingly transparent book. Uh, had him on the last podcast for an interview. He killed it, of course. Um, so go check his book out. I'll leave a link in the comments, but I'm happy to be back in motion, happy to be back answering your questions. And no, I did not forget about y'all. Um, I just had to take a little hiatus, do a little refreshing, um, a lot of self-care and a lot of self-work. Frankly, I just found myself in a space um, with transitioning into a new role with um, learning and discovering more about myself as a human being. Um, I just needed to take a step away from the podcast real quick, refresh, recharge, get that energy back and deliver you that quality, quality podcasting from the Quality of Love podcast. Oh, I almost forgot. Shout out to Bishop Dewberry, Sean and Daniela for choosing me and allowing me to be a part of the wonderful facilitation team with the black media mogul maker class that's coming up i'm so excited so ecstatic to be able to drop some wisdom some gems from my experience with the class so thank you thank you thank you without further ado let's get into our quote of the week this quote reads do you want to win or do you want to win on your terms once again that quote reads do you want to win or do you want to win on your terms? Man, that quote I actually heard from uh, Colin Cowherd, who is a sports radio host. Um, I find myself, I, I guess I'm getting old because um, I find myself listening to a lot more sports radio as opposed to music and all that good stuff. So uh, it's just so funny to see that transition. But I heard that from Colin Cowherd. Do you want to win? Or do you want to win on your terms? And I really I felt that quote um, deep within my within my spirit. And it gave me goosebumps because I think up until hearing that quote, I've wanted to win, but on my terms. And I think a lot of us get into those situations where we want to win. But as long as the, the chips are stacked in our favor or as long as it's not too much stress or too much pressure. Um, but the reality is you got to ask yourself, do you want to win or do you want to win on your terms? All right, you know what it is. You've now entered the narc-free zone where we answer questions to expose all of that narcissistic behavior within relationships. Without further ado, question number one. Why does an ex-narcissist rather keep calling than texting? Once again, that question is, why does an ex-narcissist rather keep calling than texting? Possible for their actions. So if they can keep uh, texting you and not give you a call uh, and feel like that's a way to bother you and continue to get under your skin. That's what they're going to do. You got to remember when you're dealing with a narcissistic individual, their goal is not to improve their behavior or to become better for you or to learn the mistakes that they made with you. Their goal is just to keep you under their control. Right. So this is simply a controlling tactic that they're using to not be held accountable, held accountable, excuse me, number one. But then number two, it, it keeps you kind of guessing and it keeps you on your toes, keeps you walking on those eggshells. 
now regarding kind of your interaction with them and it's just a different form of control so i would um it's called go no contact in most places but i would ignore any text or calls coming from that individual because all they're doing in this instance is using a controlling tactic or using one of their controlling tactics to try to control you and keep you under their spell so to speak question number two how do narcissists get your location when you aren't sharing it? Once again, that question is, how do narcissists get your location when you aren't sharing it? That's actually really scary. As I was reading through all of the uh, questions that I got sent to my email, I was reading through this one. And that's like, to me, there that's narcissist vibes for sure. But that's borderline stalker vibes. And the only thing that I can think of in terms of how they might get your location um, when you aren't sharing it is that they have close or mutual friends, which is also why I say if you have mutual friends with a narcissistic individual, I would first have a conversation with them explaining the extent of the relationship and how it ended. And if they chose to keep their friendship with that narcissistic individual, then I would I would encourage you to no longer be friends with that person because that narcissistic person will use that mutual friend to manipulate them and to do things like share your location. Um, again, it's with a narcissist, you have to remember that it's very much about control, right? They want to maintain control. They want to keep control. And one of the ways they can do that without having direct uh, interaction or contact with you is through a friend or through mutual friends. So that's the route that I would say um, that's stalker stalker mode, though. Seriously, it really is. Um, and I don't play when it comes to stuff like that. So the more authentic version of me would tell you to make sure that you're carrying a, a weapon of some sort to protect yourself from this narcissistic individual, because who knows where their behavior will shift to, right? They might go from stalking and finding your location um, to trying to then physically abuse you or physically assault you. So um, when it gets, when the behaviors ramp it, ramp it up a little bit and it gets this intense, I always invite people to get a weapon to make sure they're safe, right? Go through the legal process, try to get a court order, try to get documents to uh, keep this person away from you, right? A uh, restraining order is what I'm trying to say. Um, try to get this to keep this individual away from you, but then also realize that at the end of the day, you may need to get a weapon to protect yourself. And I'm all for that. I'd rather have you here and living um, to tell your story as opposed to not. Right. And there's plenty of evidence of that's happening throughout our history. Question number three, why would a narcissist suggest you go find somebody else and then get angry when you do find somebody else? Once again, that question is, why would a narcissist suggest you go you to go to find somebody else and then get angry at you when you do find somebody else? Classic narcissist 101, man, like, oh, I don't need you. Oh, if you think you can find somebody better, or if you think you can do better, then go. Then you go ahead and do better. And now they get angry at you um, and they want to uh, talk down on you or, or berate you in some way, shape or form. Classic narcissist move. I can assure you this individual, um, they probably told you to go find somebody else with the idea or with the notion that you weren't going to do it or it would be impossible for you to do so. And on that, you've actually done it. Uh, the biggest dose of reality ever has hit them. Um, and now they're angry because you actually found somebody who may value you. Here's where my advice shifts from 
just giving some advice to to go from hearing this out of my voice to feeling this from me um, as as a being. Right. The thing about it is um, the thing about it is that we are we're in a really, really dangerous time. Right. We're in a really, really dangerous time in that um, individuals just feel like you don't have anybody else. You can't go anywhere else. They're all that you have. And I would invite you to double down or to uh, lean into that new person that you found because you know what you're already going to get from the narcissistic individual. You're going to get a bunch of negativity. You're going to get them putting you down. Um, Hopefully there's no verbal abuse um, or mental abuse running, running rampant or anything like that. But you know what you're going to get from the relationship with that narcissistic individual. So I would invite you to lean into that new relationship and lean into that new somebody and let the narcissist know, Hey, at the end of the day, I took you up on your advice. I went and found somebody who's, who's better for me and who makes me feel a little more comfortable than you do. So I'm going to lean into this relationship. Question number four, is my ex narcissist going to eventually text me? I have gone no contact for two months. Once again, that question is, is my ex-narcissist going to eventually text me? I have been no contact for two months. If you've gone no contact for two months and a narcissistic individual has not texted you, chances are they've moved on. Right? A narcissist cannot go that long without texting you or having no contact with you if they're still um if they f- still feel like they can manipulate you, um, can take advantage of you and t- can keep you under their wing. Um they're not going to go no con- not no contact for that long. And that's just being frank with you. So in this instance, uh, I would say they probably found a new supply. So a new supply for those who are new to the channel is an individual who is susceptible to the ways of the narcissistic individual and tends to um, do and follow whatever the narcissistic individual says. Right. When a narcissist shifts from one relationship where they've pretty much been discovered to now a relationship in which they uh, have a supply who's open and interested and think they're their savior, they tend to um, very much so go cold turkey or cut that previous relationship off with no hesitation or no issue. Um, and that that happens in a very, very quick time frame. So I share that with you to say that chances are if you've gone no contact with them for two months, even I would say 30 days, to be honest with you, if they've gone no contact for 30 days, chances are the individual has found a new supply, um, someone that's more susceptible to their ways, which isn't a bad thing. If you ask me, it's not a bad thing for you. It's an opportunity for you to properly move on now. If that person then comes back in the picture a couple more months down the line, just know and understand that they tried whatever maneuvers they they were going to try on that other individual or the other supply and it didn't work. So now they're coming back to try to feed off of you again. I'll say I said this before on my podcast. I'll say it again. If you're ever fortunate enough to get out of a relationship with a narcissistic individual, I would never lean back into that relationship. I'd never um, re-engage on that level in any way, shape or form because you're the winner in that situation. Question number five. Why do narcs want you to forget every wrong thing that they ever did, but always bring up what you did wrong? Once again, that question is, why do narcs 
want you to forget everything they ever did wrong, but always bring up what you did wrong. Again, um, I've, I've, I've said this before on the podcast. I'll say it again. I'll say it till I'm blue in the face. When we talk about narcissistic individuals, they do not like being held accountable, right? That is like the number one kryptonite for any narcissistic individual is holding them accountable for their actions. So the sooner that they can get off the topic of discussion of them being either um, not accountable for their actions, manipulative, whatever the, the behavior is that you called out for that individual they want that to go away, right? They want it to to appear as if they're perfect and they do no wrong. That's the first part of your question, right? And then for the second part, but always bring up what you did wrong. When they bring up what you did wrong, the, the second piece is the victimhood, right? Now they shift to a space of being the victim, of being the one that's always being put down or talked to. And that's a manipulation tactic to make you feel bad for them. Right. It makes you feel bad. Like, oh, well, yeah, I, I guess I shouldn't have done this or I guess I probably shouldn't have called them out of their name. And all the while, the narcissist in the back of their mind, they're saying, yes, that's fantastic. I love it. Great. Because now the pressure is off me and onto this individual. And I also know that I still have them under my control in some way, shape or form. Question number six, when does a narcissistic relationship fail? Once again, that question is, when does a narcissistic relationship fail? A narcissistic relationship will always fail. And this is probably, there's probably, there's a very few chances that a narcissistic relationship will fail. The two instances that I can think of clearly, number one is when they find a new supply, right? So when, when they feel like they've drained all of your energy, taken up all your energy, they found a new supply. They're shifting to that person. That's when a narcissistic relationship fails. The second instance in which a narcissistic relationship fail are when you hold them accountable and you don't bend or fold on you holding them accountable. That will trigger. (laughs) Actually, it'll trigger the first one. Right. It'll trigger them saying, "Okay, well, you know what? My tactics are no longer working on this individual. Let me shift and try to put them on another individual or put them into put that energy into another person. Those are the two instances in which narcissistic relationships fail. Anything outside of that is just it's, it's going to be working in favor of the narcissistic individual and, and allowing yourself to be manipulated to be a part of their of their web, I guess I would say. There you have it, everyone. Those are the questions that we have for this evening. Don't forget those five ingredients to a lasting relationship. Number one is trust. Number two is communication, communication as in dialogue. That means you and your partner going back and forth, both of you listening, both of you actively listening and hearing the needs of your other partner. Number three is knowing your partner's love and apology languages. So not only knowing how to love on them, but knowing how to say sorry in a way that's beneficial to them and your relationship. Number four is adaptability. Right. So the ability to shift with the ever changing dynamics at some point in time, something's going to change in your relationship. Does your relationship have the adaptability to shift and change with it? And number five, unconditional acceptance, accepting your partner for who they are, but knowing that they're working to become the best possible person they can be on a daily basis.
Man, it's good to be back. Don't forget those questions. Get the don't forget to get those questions into TQLP20 at gmail.com. Again, that's TQLP20 at gmail.com. And as always, everybody that can hear my voice, remember the quality of love and relationships that you have in your life will determine the quality of your life. Peace and love.